All right, welcome to the Podmore Get Better podcast. It is Sunday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Will Sandstead, and I'm here with, oh, wait, Tony Johnson is not here. I'm actually broadcasting from Savage, um, McHugh's Bar and Grill, out on the patio. We got some background country music. We got some big rig trucks going by, uh, just drinking some beers, playing some golden tea today. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, Tony Johnson is out this week. Uh, he has prior obligations. Uh, but we're going to make do, so you're going to be stuck with me, Will Sandstead. Um, could I actually, yeah, I'll do another Coors Light. Is, wait a second. Hey, is that, is that you? That's Andy Fox. Hey. Hey, what's going Can on, buddy? Can I get you another beer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, get, get the waiter, because I know you don't work here. I know you're a full-time <laughs> banger. But ladies and gentlemen, we're, uh, we're graced with the presence of Andy Fox. Uh, legend, How's it going? Legendary Golden Tea Banger. Uh, good to have you. You want to sit down and do a podcast with me here? It'd be, it'd be great. Oh, great to be here. That's that's good. We're uh, we're, we're normally Tony Johnson and I either uh, hanging out and drinking beers or doing the podcast, but it, it'll, it'll be great to have you here. Uh, like I said, you're you're a pretty accomplished Golden Tea player. Uh, you, you've been playing this professionally for quite a while now. Yeah, probably nine years-ish, maybe ten, somewhere in there. Yeah, we've, Long time. Yeah, we, we've known each other uh, probably since before that, uh, back when you were a professional poker player. Yeah, uh, I, that's I, right. I haven't that's been, right. We were roommates. Yeah, I, I haven't been one to know you uh, to actually hold a job with the exception of a uh, serving and bartending job for a little bit. But outside of that, it was professional poker and then professional golden tea the last eight, nine years, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't like uh, working for anybody else, really. Yeah, no, uh, very independent. So, Tony Johnson's more accomplished in the golden tea world than me um, which is fine i typically defer to him uh, oftentimes in situations just due to his knowledge but having you here with us uh i'd like to talk about your background a bit i mean you've you've put up some great golden tea stats some great golden tea performances in your past i mean what what are some of the highlights of your careers as you've talked about being kind of a independent person much less a golden tea player you know, if you can kind of cover that for the listeners, I think that'd be kind of a good experience to how you kind of rose up to just getting into the game and then to the level and status you're at currently. Okay. Well, uh, as far as getting into the game goes, um, I actually got into the game when I was playing poker for a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was going on tilt playing poker, <laughs> I, there, there was a golden tee machine at the poker room. So I went... You know, instead of you know tilting off hundreds of dollars, that was your getaway. That was my getaway. Your your escape to yeah, stop from I'd dumping. Say, okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go play golden tea for ten minutes. Try and get my bearings, as you would say. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm uh, all into getting then, your bearings. And then uh, Rick Scoville, Mr. Dizzle, yeah, an old school name. One of the best guys on earth is. Uh, he saw me playing. And he said, "Hey, uh, you know you're." You're pretty good. You should go to you should go to Benchwarmer Bob's on, I think it was Tuesday nights or Thursday nights or something. And uh, you know you could you could learn a lot from some of the people that play there. Yeah, that's a great point. So going there and and playing with Rick Scoville, Mr. Dizzle, uh, Thor, Tony Johnson, you, Ramsey Thomas, Eric yeah. Strobridge, uh, I just learned so much, and I got a lot better very quickly to the point where um, I felt like I could make a decent amount of money playing Golden Tee and it 
kind of coincided Agreed. with me going bust playing poker because I was an idiot. <laughs> so you're transitioning. Yeah. Not not in terms of your gender, but in terms of your preferred yeah, career. Yeah, no, no gender transition, <laughs> but just a career transition. Um, I suck at poker, but was good at Golden Tee. And um, so I just started... I started playing... Uh, you know, if, if you can get good pricing... Yeah. In this uh, industry. Partnering up with local vendors, yeah. Yeah. Like, originally I started playing on, on uh, Tony Johnson and, I think, Eric Strowbridge's machines. Yeah, Cannon Vending. The Cannon shot, Vending, yeah. Yeah, the shoddy Cannon. Light the fuse. Yeah. And uh, that was nice until the whole... That all went down. And, and then uh, Dean Vending the best vendor in america yeah they've they've been absolutely great to us here in minnesota so so for our listeners who no are offense, ter- Steve Sobel. <laughs> so so for our listeners who uh may not be terribly experienced or may not have a core group of six seven eight local guys who are at the upper echelon um we've always told folks on the podcast and then in person is that you know seek out players who are better than you locally if you're if you're still a little jittery oh, yeah. about coming to your first tournament because yeah. it, it sounds like that was your past i don't think i've met a golden tee player at a national tournament who hasn't followed that path i think everyone at some point has sought out better players locally whether it's 10 15 minutes away or an hour or two hours away where they take a day off you know take a half day on a friday go play with some guys on a friday night and they start picking up their game and learning cut shots learning different approaches to different holes you can get better playing by yourself just learning things that you do wrong but you're not ever going to get to an upper level without playing with somebody that's much better than you and then you can learn things from them and learn things what not to do learn things what to do um, I was just lucky enough to be in the same, you know, South Metro of Minneapolis. And come across Rick Scoville, yeah. Come across all these guys, and and they taught me a lot of stuff, and I kind of, you know, made that work with my game and what I I feel like I can do well, and it's been good so far. Yeah, so you kind of talked about how you met some veteran players when you were kind of an up-and-comer and and a newbie, uh, and Rick Scoville took an interest in you and said, hey, come check out this place. You got the talent, you got the skills, you know, obviously come, you know, pick up some pointers and so forth, you know, get in a competitive atmosphere or whatever where they run some local tourneys and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you've parlayed that into probably the best Minnesota player we have. If you look at the recent world championships, you came off as an early favorite, uh, got mentioned on KFAN. I mean, people were talking about you being a top five player there. So I wanted to kind of touch on some like your career highlights and kind of how you progressed because I know you started going to a couple tourneys and within the last probably what four to six years you really ramped up your tournament participation and yeah. folks can really see that when they're just getting into the game how that can transition for their game getting in a competitive environment yeah I mean uh, so these tournaments these golden tee tournaments are so much fun Agreed. They, if, they can't be If you've beat. never been to one, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you can't even really describe it on a podcast how fun it is. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it's life-changing, but it opens you up to a whole new world where right. if it's you and a, a couple buddies out at the bar playing a four-player game, and some people walk by and say, oh my gosh, you've been playing that game for two, three hours, and look at you kind of like your dork, it's 
pretty interesting and pretty surreal to walk into yeah. a bar and there's 16 or 20 golden tea machines and there's 60 to 100 guys in there all there for playing and golden they're tea. all like-minded and they have the same interest and yeah it's just it's it's so much fun um the first tournament i ever went to was in uh chicago mm-hmm and, uh, long history in Chicago, yeah. Long history in Chicago. Uh, Tavern 33 tournament. Yeah. Was it Super Bowl tourney? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember. <laughs> That's but another problem of Golden Tee tournaments. Sometimes you don't remember the details. It was, uh, I, went, <laughs> I went there with Thor, and that was the time we had the slapping match. Ooh. And, uh, ass slaps, that, courtesy that, of Chad Schroeder. No, 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 not ass slaps. It was uh, like they had that Super Bowl commercial where it was like... I don't totally remember what it was, but people were slap each other across the face. Oh, gosh. So me and Thor got just super drunk, and we just started just, like, smoking each other across the really? face. Really? Yeah. Uh, we got back to the hotel, and, like, the front desk people watched us doing that. And they were like, we're going to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't going to bring assault charges on each other? No, but... no, no. But anyway... Uh, so, for, first tournament, how'd that transition? I mean, how did you perform there? I mean, t- talk to the listeners about your experience at your first tournament, your thoughts, your feeling, your emotions. Because I know for mine, I, I was intimidated. You you walk in and oh, you yeah. start walking by machines, and you don't want to say to a guy, "Hey, let me hop in." Yeah, I'm gonna hop in here. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust oh, yeah. ass in this next game. You know, you don't put your quarters up on the machine. Um, but you're you're kind of a wallflower at your first tourney, for well, sure. fir- first couple tourneys, and you walk by machines and you see you know names like Greg Kinsler, Jason Makovich, some of these old school guys. Where you're like, oh my gosh, I see that guy's name on the machine. So talk to the folks a little bit about how you start getting into these games, not just via the main tournament playing in a qualifier head-to-head match play, but how how you kind of perceive that. Yeah, like so going to my first couple tournaments. I would see guys like uh, Greg Kinsler, um, Chris Litzinger, Andy Haas, um, and you know, obviously, I'd I'd been playing for a while enough to where I felt comfortable. I, I loved Golden Tee enough to where I was like going to make an effort because I mean, you don't just like stumble upon a Golden Tee tournament. You kind of got a plan to yeah, go to it. Yeah, there's some so, effort. You have to you have to like the game enough to go to the Golden Tee tournament, so you you know these names. And I saw those guys, and I was like, "Wow!" You're like, "Shit, that's, that's the dude." That's the guy right yeah. there. Holy cow! I've seen that guy so many times. Well, I would never think to like go up and play with him, even though I was like, "That's pretty it's, decent," you know. Oh yeah, it's very intimidating. But I had enough. I ha- I knew enough guys from Minnesota that I kind of just stuck in my little Minnesota pot. I mm-hmm. think I you know I played with Thor and. Tony Johnson and those guys and who whomever they you know knew enough to get in their game that's how I met those up you know some of the higher players like yeah some of the multi-machine one through five games yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and even if you're a new guy you don't have to play one through five just say hey you know what I'm, I'm, I'm looking to get learning, in the game yeah. you know I'd appreciate if you let me in I, I don't want to play the one through five portion of it but I'd, I'd love to play with you guys I know you guys are you know top tier upper echelon players so yeah. after your first couple tourneys, you, you started playing more. You said that you made the transition, <laughs> uh, the transition from poker to golden tee, um, and then you really became a full-on banger in terms of doing this for your wife Melanie, 
daughter Kaylin. I mean, th- th- this is your yeah. fulfillment right here. Shout out to my wife Melanie because she's awesome. She lets me uh, she lets me go out and go play in these tournaments. She lets me go work long days. <laughs> uh, she's awesome. She's very supportive. Um, but as far as the transition goes, I kind of didn't have a choice. Um, like I was telling you, I'm not, I'm no good at poker. <laughs> not, not many of us have, uh, <laughs> cashed like, for well, 80, 90,000 as you have in a poker tourney. But well, that's a whole nother story, but yeah, fair enough. D- different podcast. <laughs> nobody can blow it as fast as I can either. Uh, I kind of didn't have a choice. I, I, I could either go work at Walmart or, or go play golden tea. Yeah. And I didn't want to go work at Walmart. Well, you could work with me. It's uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, so, so, so talk about some of your recent performances because I, I know as you started going to your first couple and then you started taking this role on as a daily banger, quote unquote banger. Um, you were playing Golden Tee damn near every day, not taking oh, yeah. you know much vacation time. I know this is before you met Melanie due to our past uh, yep. and, b- and before having a child. So you were a single guy like me, uh, literally you know, no ties, no connections. Uh, outside of your mom and dad being local here and you transitioned it where you started going to more tourneys so some of these recent tourneys you know pulling up your stats on the PEGT tournament website just strictly in terms of the PEGT tournaments you've performed really well I mean we we go down the list and, and we look at folks who have top four finishes and how you've grown your game so on the PEGT tour uh, Andy Fox has 12 top four finishes and that's tied, that's tied for fifth all time. You look down the line, uh, Mark Stenmark has an incredible 30 top four finishes. Next, you bump down to Andy Haas with 21, tied with Evan Gossett at 21 also. Uh, you have Paul Big Dick Anthony Luna with 16. And then you coming in in fifth, tied with Paul Taylor. And coming in uh, Isn't sixth. Isn't it Paul Taylor? Taylor. Oh. It's typically a typo or an autocorrect on your cell phone. Uh, but it is Paul Taylor, contrary to popular belief. And then you have mm-hmm. Jeff Lannon coming in at number six with eight, eight top four finishes. Uh, so it's, <laughs> so it's it's pretty diversified up there. But the cream literally rises to the top. So some of your, <laughs> so, so, some of your tournament performances. I mean, you talk about Houston in 2016, Player of the Year in 2017. Uh, some of your Orlando finishes, I mean, you took first in 2018. 2017 Orlando, you took second to Haas. Uh, you've gone to Worlds the last three years, so I don't want to rehash old things, but I know in 2016 you actually took out Andy Haas in overtime victory. I think you hold, I was watching, I, I want to say it was Volcano Palms number two. Yeah, that was the rare fist pump. Yeah, in sudden death. Uh, Possibly the only fist pump I've ever done. Yeah, you, you didn't let out a, uh, a big grunt or anything, but I think it was a... So if, I could, if I could go back, I would have let out a grunt. <laughs> Maybe all day, uh, who wants to... <laughs> yeah, um, so he, you, he later made me eat shit, so I can't say yeah. much. So at 2016 Worlds, you had a top four finish. I, I can't recall offhand, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but 2017 Worlds... Uh, fifth, sixth. Fifth, sixth. I, I apologize. You you weren't in the top four photo. That's all right. Neither was no. I. Uh, but then to the folks who are starting to get into tournaments and trying to meet all these new people, uh, not to bring up this year, but it, it it's a very important part of the game because it's a tough cutthroat thing. You have all these guys. Yes, they're there to have fun and so forth. 
but this year at Worlds, you had 64 players and the top 32 go on to the gold bracket. They're playing for the big paychecks. And the bottom 32 go on and, and they're playing in a silver bracket where they still get good payouts courtesy of IT and the daily and the money shot, whatever it is, funding mm-hmm. the contest. Uh, unfortunately, it was a little bit of a letdown for you this, this year. Uh, huge letdown. Um, I mean, I... To be honest, I don't know what happened. Halfway, halfway through that qualifier... I was one stroke off par. I missed a putt. I missed one, like, you know, fairly easy putt on Clipso, and it was kind of annoying. But, you know, I shot par on I shot par on Safari. One off on Clipso, which, you know, wasn't great, but I was, you know, it was okay. And then through ten holes on Rhineland, I was I was clean. I made I made it through the window, which is kind of a concern of mine because so- I, I missed that. So ha- halfway through the qualifier, literally halfway through the qualifier, you one felt you were par. only one off par. Yeah. I mean, that that's got to be sitting Missing right the around. Cut wasn't you know, even on my radar. Yeah, top top eight qualifier there because yeah. there are guys who hole out. I mean, you're you're playing the best in the world. This is why this is the world championship. So break down the back nine of Rhineland then. So we get to this uh, hole eleven on Rhineland. Um, Dave Rhodes, I'm gonna punch you in the nuts when I see you. <laughs> Design a hole winner. Yeah. He's got uh, a golden tea machine in his basement now, and you have right. a... So it wasn't that hard of a setup, and my thought was just don't get wet. You know, if you, if you, if you hit it on the green and you miss your putt, that's not that big of a deal. And I hit a shot that it seemed uh, reasonable. Like, you know, when you hit a shot and you hit a bad shot, you're like, oh, shit. Right away, I just you know. screwed that up. Yep, right away, you know. I hit that. I hit the shot. My, you know, the trackball contact was clean, and I missed that thing like thirty yards short and right, and it hit the it hit the top of the the edifice or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and uh, digging deep there, and, and it just, I mean, it hit it like three or four times and then went into the water, and I was just so befuddled, like how what the hell was that like how could that even miss that bad because it felt like a clean shot reasonable yeah i don't i don't know that it felt like a like a great shot but i don't know that it felt that bad (laughs) so i was just kind of scratching my head and then you know in the midst of scratching my head is when i made my biggest mistake of the qualifier is trying to chip it in Mm. so you started chasing with a six iron yeah you know if I would have had my wits about me, I would have just, you know, take a, taken a, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty good chipper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can chip that with an eight iron and with bite and make sure that I get it on the green. For your par. Yeah. For S- my par. S- save a par. And, and possibly make it. <coughs> well, instead, I tried, and it was kind of a crosswind, so I tried to chip at it with a six iron to take some of the wind out of the play. And, uh kind of at the last minute and it kind of in my downswing I was like what the hell am I doing oh really I I decelerated and I I chipped it like you know 10 yards short in the water it wasn't even close so then I was pissed off and I reverted to your old poker days it sounds like and and kind of went on tilt right just uh, you know it's funny because Leading up to the qualifier, mm-hmm. I was 
I was making I, I put into a, a strict no DNF clause yeah you know if you're if you're off par play it out because you need to have this mental you know stick with it type to get past any errors you have right so you have to instead of just giving up when you've when you've screwed up you got to stick with it so we're here in Savage currently uh, yeah. with Andy Fox somebody's and- stealing a car yeah, I, I didn't actually drive up here, um, but it, it looks like a uh, late model Hyundai. Is that a Hyundai or a Toyota? I don't know, but it's it's going yeah. off. It's pretty exciting. So, but anyway, uh, to be honest, it, the it was a bit unlucky in the in the in a, but it was more like I hit a couple bad shots. Like for example. Rhineland 17. Mm-hmm. New tee boxes. That's a, that's a tough was, par three. I was several off par, but I hit a I hit a mediocre to poor shot, and I had a, you know maybe like a seven yard chip from the fringe. I couldn't putt it because that would have never worked. And I had just watched Jeff McClellan chip it in the water three times to take a stroke limit. Yeah, the he, pin, he missed the, pin the cut was, as well. The pin was way at the bottom. So I'm like, well, geez, I can't do that. So instead of chipping a six iron, where I could have probably predicted about a 90% make rate, I chipped a sand wedge and tried to just play extra break and hit it real soft and just let it die in there because I didn't want it to roll off into the water. Because if you if you chip that in the water, then you're, you're after three courses, you're for sure toast. If you know if you if you shoot like a seventeen or something on that course, so mess up seventeen, mess up eighteen, and then proceeded to mess up Royal Dubai and mess up Rattlesnake too. So I mean, just kind of snowball. So if if you think um, nerves don't play a factor, I I don't know. Maybe I guess I got nervous. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I've you know, we, we talked about your top four finishes. I've I've never had a top four finish. My best is a fifth six in Indianapolis and this Which doesn't count. <laughs> pre P E G T. Um and, and that was actually on this week's classic course of the week on Moose Landing. Uh I think I had Andy Haas by one stroke, uh, before Andy Haas was Andy Haas. Uh to go into the top four and came into seventeen and this is back in the day when you had it was either naked, you didn't have spin, or you had backspin, that was it. And I tried to uh play a shot, I got wet and dumped it. So Yeah. Congratulations on uh your twelve top four finishes. You're you're, <laughs> you're amazing. Uh we're going to continue on, though, because as folks know, as they go to these tourneys, the nerves start kicking in. I, I get nerves, most definitely. Oh, same. And to Andy's point, you know, you start meeting new guys, and you, you may hang around, you know, your own cluster of guys you're familiar with. Uh, but the fun part is, is to your point that, you know, you're out, you're out playing golden tee. Yes, you're on vacation. You might not be going to the beach. You might go mm-hmm. out for a Friday, Friday during the day golf event. But you're drinking beers. You're having fun. But when it gets down to qualifying and match play, the nerves can really start kicking in because you know it's a shot to your your point where you have a ninety percent make rate or or you know hey I always I always you know hit this on the green on this par four and all of a sudden you may just slightly overcut or undercut the ball slightly hit it too hard or too soft and all of a sudden you start chasing it's uh it's definitely a different ball game yeah. 
So shout out to Andy Fox for joining us here on the PGMB Podmore Get Better podcast. Just really glad to have you here, man. Uh, glad was, to be here. Yeah, I was, I was hoping to get that beer from you. I thought you worked here. You got a black t-shirt on, <laughs> as does everyone else here. Uh, but no, we're just hanging out drinking this beers. This is actually the t-shirt that I purchased from the Orleans after I missed the cut on Saturday. And you and didn't I, burn it? No. The the whatever whatever shirt that IT gave us to wear on Saturday I threw it in the garbage and I, need, I couldn't go around shirtless all day you, you didn't donate that to any underprivileged children or anything no. of the Las Vegas community it just well, I know in, in the past uh, I believe it was the 2016 world championship the hot rumors that Paul Anthony Luna left his <laughs> second place trophy in the Las Vegas Convention Center bathroom. I, I don't know if that's yeah. true, but at least we have a oral confirmation that there is a Golden Tee World Championship jersey. No, I was a full-on whiny bitch and uh, <laughs> threw, my, threw my shirt away. Sound body and sound mind. So Forcefully, ho- by the yeah, way. So we're hoping that all of you uh, listening to the podcast follow Golden Tee, Golden Tee Fan, uh, on all the social media outlets, but one of the exciting things as part of our news portion is that if you're following Golden Tea on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, part of the news portion, they're announcing 18 new putters this year, Andy Fox. 18 new putters? 18 new putters. Uh, I believe they're I believe they're only a portion of the way through it. Uh, the first one that was announced was the 8-bit. Uh, they definitely have some really cool styles, so if you're on social media, please make sure to follow Golden Tea. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and any other way you can get the news because they're updating it fairly frequently. Um, the one exciting one, uh, I know... Minnesota Missile. The Minnesota Missile. Uh, Tony Johnson and I talked about this. Uh, like I said, I apologize. He can't be here. He does have other obligations. Uh, I don't know if Tony is going to convert to this. It looks uh, kind of long and thick, um, <laughs> but we're going to call that the uh, Minnesota Missile. I think the name that Golden Tee gave it was uh, just the Missile, but... That's looking really exciting. But then on the top of that, we talked about this on last week's podcast. We got the new course trailers. I know I've checked them out. You've yeah, checked them out as well. I have checked them out. Yeah, so let's get started. Uh, hopefully you guys have pulled this up. Uh, you can go to goldentea.com and pull it up under their news section. Or just simply go to Golden Tea on Facebook, and they've sent the links to all the trailers. Uh, five brand new courses, so that's exciting. They're going to have two remake courses, which have not been announced. Uh, I know some of us kind of have our favorites in terms of what we're looking for, but in terms of the 2019 courses, we're going to start off with Pembroke Links, uh, Link style course. And I know when I initially saw the trailer, one of the first things I noticed. Thank you, motorcycle. Uh, one of the first things I noticed was the deep bunkers. Uh, which yeah. told me right off the bat, uh, I know some of the more pro and upper echelon players might just have one wedge in their bag, uh, typically a sand wedge, I believe. Um, yeah. This course with those deep bunkers, I'm going to have a lob wedge in my bag and uh, potentially a sand wedge as well. Those those deep bunkers look look pretty tough. I'm yeah, yeah. I uh, I am anti lob wedge uh, <laughs> as as much as anybody, but I think this this course is probably going to require it because. There's a lot of there's a lot of bunkers that are really close to the green and they're pretty deep. So yeah. you don't want to get you don't want to get stuck on a face on one of those. And yeah, we just had the British Open uh, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Francisco Molinari. Uh, yeah, I've been drinking. Andy Fox has been drinking. I didn't even pronounce that. I right. haven't been drinking. <laughs> um, 
he's uh mom he's the british he's the british open champion a lot of bunkers there that you can get in trouble one of the other things i noticed with this um there's a little bit more elevation than i thought there would be for a link style course course, there's there's a lot of ups and downs there um i'm gonna have a lob wedge i'm gonna have an eight wood most likely and a six wood uh i mean it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk about your club set before before seeing it hole by hole yeah just judging by the trailer a lob wedge is going to be necessary necessary. yeah for sure so the last thing i noticed in the trailer um was there was at least one multi-tiered green which there was some pushback uh regarding facebook comments but the big thing reverting back to some of the previous link style courses um, whether it's heather point or highland links is my question um, which they don't really show in the youtube videos back in the past with the youtube trailers uh, they would show someone teeing off and it would be a par four that was you know 275 yards or maybe it was 450 so they took the overlay they took some of the details off there yeah and one of my big questions is going to be as a link style course is this going to have the ramped up winds oftentimes on you know more regular quote-unquote golden tee courses you're not going to see these winds ramped up until the back nine of a course but you look at some of the link style courses and those winds can start blowing right away you might get eight ten mile an hour winds on the first second third hole right like in the you know typically the the highest wind you'll see is 16 maybe 17 but on some of these links courses in the past they've gotten up to 18 or 19 mile an hour winds mm-hmm. which are you know pretty serious winds i mean that's like uh it seems like the difference between a 14 and a 16 mile an hour wind is not as significant as the difference between a 16 mile an hour wind and an 18 mile an hour wind yeah and then when you bring in the elevation how we talked about exactly. how this seems to have yeah. more elevation differences than prior links courses are right up there with some of them uh this could make for a really interesting course i'm guessing if you get good setups you're going to be able to go low but i also think that this course could turn out to just be absolutely brutal depending on how the wind's set up uh next we're going to flip it over to uh cat andreas beach uh, Tony Johnson is much better at pronouncing it than me. I don't know if Andy Fox wants to give it a go. Can you I don't say ever, it? No, I can't say it. Are you just going to pull, pull a Danny boy and just call it beach course? Because there's about eight different beach courses currently. Well, I'm going to call it the current beach course. Okay, fair enough. So in looking why at the trailer... Yeah, why would you call it that? In looking at the trailer, uh, this course kind of gave me flashbacks a little bit to Monument Valley, Kings Canyon. Uh I was a little surprised, contrary to Pembroke Links, about the lack of elevation. In looking at the trailer, this this almost seemed like a Mayfield where it was pretty flat it in terms look, of... It does look real flat. Yeah, it, it looks very flat. But on the flip side, with the flatness of it, um, you're basically playing in these ridges, in these canyons where you're going to have cut shots going around walls. Uh, I think there was a shot, it looked like probably a 7, 8, 9 would... Uh, on a short par four actually going over one of these big hills or these big burrs. Right. yeah yeah so, i think this is going to be yeah cut this, shots galore yeah i think this is going to be a really interesting course um and, and i know one of your uh best golden tea buddies yeah my man man jeff yeah. land and lemonades yeah talk about it uh the so from what i hear i don't totally know the whole story but uh the design hole winner is 
acquaintance of Jeff Lannon, Lemonades. Submitted his application with his whole design. Yeah, and he called it Lannon's Landing for some reason. I don't know if they're great buds or what. Yeah, this... Uh, but, uh, yeah. This looks like the one hole in the trailer where you see some elevation, so I'm excited to see yeah. how this play. Excited it's, to see how this plays out. It it, it really because this um, it it does look pretty flat, with the in, with the exception of this hole, and yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to play this hole. Yeah, so so we talked about the kind of more elevation on the Lynx course, and we talked about Ken Andreas Beach, uh, T to green being pretty flat. And we talked about at least one multi-tiered green in the first trailer on Pembroke Links, putting Catastreus Beach. You know, they probably gave a preview of about eight holes. And two of those holes, I noticed, right. maybe maybe I've been drinking too much Coors Light. Shout out to Coors Light. Look yeah. like there are a minimum of two multi-tiered greens. Yeah, I, I saw two on that same preview. Yeah, so this is, this is going to get interesting. Uh, next, we're going to move over to Agave Ranch. Uh, this is the night course, similar to Royal Dubai. You're going to have light poles in play, uh, shining lights down. Uh, one of the cool things is that we've talked about previously and you've seen the pictures of, and now we get to see the trailer. Uh, the short par three, similar to the Waste Management Open, where you actually have stadium seating set up. Yeah, that's uh, I was pretty a, cool. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. The only thing in the trailer, and I don't know if it's a rendering issue or probably something to do with graphics, otherwise I'm sure they would have done it, uh, there were no people in the stand, so it was empty. So you're kind of playing by yourself like a degenerate. <laughs> uh, you're like, not Like a Wednesday practice round or yeah, something. Yeah, correct. Um, but the cool thing I noticed is that so the tee shot that was hit off, it looked like a 7.8.9 iron. It was hit at a very high elevation. Uh, we have the altimeter now on the Golden Tee Machines to yeah. give you... Which, have you ever used that? Like, does I, it does it benefit I, you in I, any I, way? I can't say I have. I, I'm sure maybe at some point down the line there will be more functionality to that. I don't know if you'll be able to... Let's hope so. You know, put a pointer on a... I love you, you know, IT. <laughs> If you'll be able to put a pointer on top of a rock surface and you can see the height or the elevation or a stone right. arch to get under it. But as that shot went up on the stadium course, like I said, it was probably a 7, 8, 9 iron. As the ball is reaching its apex, uh, the screen basically pans up above the green, above the stands, and it's dark out, it's night out, and you don't see just the lights on the stadium hole that you're playing. You're actually seeing the lights of the town in the distance. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Which I, I, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, it looks like there's there's some rock formations on that, on that course. I don't know how... I don't know how in play they're going to be. It kind of reminds me of a, a little bit of Jackrabbit. Um, yeah, I agree. So it's it's possible you might need some lofted clubs, um, like an eight wood or a six wood. Agreed. Yeah. That's gonna be a fun one. I'm looking forward to playing yeah. that. Uh, next up, we have uh, Beals Creek. Uh, this one kind of reminded me of Winding Pines. I know some folks are saying Pelican as well. Uh, you have some tall trees here coming into play, uh, but not necessarily yeah. getting over the trees. But it looks like getting through the trees. So. I know you and I talking uh, pre-podcast, we kind of talked about some of the lower lofted clubs, whether it's a 310 driver, whether it's an Oberg, whether it's a one iron. Yeah, I think, you know, it looks like from the preview, there's going to be a lot of water on this course. You know, they got that winding river. Um, there doesn't seem to be much or any elevation on this course as far as like uh, maybe getting over trees. You might need an eight wood or, or six wood or something like that, but... Um, it just looks like 
almost on every hole there's water in play. So maybe an Oberg for skipping purposes? Yeah. Or a, maybe a, an 8.5 degree driver? Uh, yeah, I, I think this is, uh, you're gonna have some cut shots going through trees or through gaps, going into drivable par fours. But if yeah. you hit those trees, just like Winding Pines or just like Pelican, you're going to be in jail where, to talk about your prior Golden Tee history, all of a sudden you start chasing. You start chasing yeah. the strokes yep. if you don't stick that green or get within a chipping distance. Uh, last up, uh, we got Sandhill Woods uh, closing out to 2019 courses. Um, this is another one. Uh, similar kind of gave me a feeling of Winding Pines and Sequoia Grove. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this one potentially having an Obert as well, uh, having a decent assortment of woods. Um, and in the trailer, they actually showed someone executing a skip shot. I don't know if that was intentional I think or it not. Was two skip shots. Two skip two shots? Ones, maybe? No? Also, we do, do we know if this was Adam Kramer who was playing it through or Kevin Lindsay? Because their skill set might be a little different. <laughs> but uh, in terms of being brand new courses, I'm sure they were trying things out, whether yeah. it was using a low tier or whatnot. Um, but this looks like a really good, uh, really, really good course as well. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks like it might be like somewhat narrow, um, mm-hmm. where you have you know kind of a, a pretty small degree of error. Yeah. In your shots. So we'll see. Uh... Yeah, I, I think this will be a good course. We're, we're going to see how this plays out. You know, we we talked about these last two courses being more low lofted courses potentially. Uh, Pembroke Links, I think you're going to need the full assortment of woods and low irons because of the wind consideration. Uh, other than that, Cat Andreas Beach and Agave Ranch, I, I think it's going to be more woods and uh, elevations kind of floating shots into the green, whereas we talked about Beals Creek and Sand Hill Woods, probably using some of those lower lofted elevation clubs going into it. So Andy, I, I know you're a guest podcast host this week in the absence of Tony Johnson. Um, Tony, I know you'll be listening, but I want to give you a shout-out. I haven't even texted you yet because this is last-minute, super-duper secret. But we have a new sponsor this week, Andy Fox. I don't know if you're excited. I'm excited. I'm super excited. So out of Indianapolis, if, if you're in the heart of the USA, right over there, Indianapolis, we have Cannon's Beauty Salon. Oh, yeah. Cannon's Beauty Salon, great corporation. They're supporting the podcast. If you're going to a national tournament that we're going to talk about later on, whether it's Cincinnati, Wisconsin for the new course release, Richmond later in October, you want to look good. You have folks. You have folks coming out like Richard King who are going to stream this event. Yeah, you're going to be. You're going to be. Your your face and hair. It's going to be on TV. Yeah, th- th- this is a huge point. So. You don't only want to play good at a tournament. We've talked about your highlights. You've yeah. had you've had a low light or two, but overall you've had highlights, but not in your hair. No. They also do highlights in your hair. But you want to look good on these streams. I wish I knew about this. Years Long ago. Long ago. It, yeah. it could have elevated your game. I've never had a top four finish, but I look like an idiot because my hair's you know gray kind of. Yeah, I, I have graying hair as well. So to kick into that point, Canon's Beauty Salon does dyeing. They do yeah. trims. They have haircuts. They do facials as well. Yeah. You can go in there, get exfoliated. It's amazing. They also have a full line of accessories. So if you've seen Michael Cannon's hair, 
It's phenomenal. Whether it's on the stream, he has the best hair in Golden Tee. Yeah, he does. It's, uh, it's amazing. Up here in Minnesota, due to hockey here, we call that flow, and he has great flow. Right. Um, so when you're sitting there playing and, and you want to impress your friends, you might not win a game, but there are things you can do to look good, and one of them is going to Cannon's Beauty Salon and looking good on the stream. Right. So, like, if you're, if you're on the stream and you, you know, a lot of people sometimes think that if you're doing like a like a big huge you're trying to just smash it and you do yeah. a, a spinning c3 hard as you can like for me personally my my biggest c3 is uh 493 yards and you look good while doing yeah. it but you would have looked so I much better looked, i wish i could have gone to canon's beauty salon before that because you would have been over 500 well i mean even if i wasn't over 500 i may have gone a little bit extra but even if i wasn't that look that I would have had would have been so much better. Like, I mean, imagine Paul Luna. Yeah, Luna. This guy's this guy's biggest drive ever is 467 yards. Ooh, it's, you embar- can't, it's embarrassing. You can't look good with a 467 no. on your record. It's your longest drive. So, I would recommend to him. I don't. I'm not his dad, but I'm. You're a friend. Uh, yeah. I mean, just a, a friendly nudge. Maybe check out. Cannon's Beauty Salon. Yeah. And, and maybe get that maybe get that 467 up there to closer to 500 yeah, on he, the drive. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got maybe like a 571, a 574 yeah. in him. And if he's live streaming during that game, how good is he going to look setting his longest drive of all time? 467 is just pure embarrassment. Yeah. So so shout out to Cannon's Beauty Salon yeah. jumping on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, we Thank got, you for the sponsorship. Yeah, we got Tansy's Tacos, Haas's Sleeping Potion. I mean, n- now we got Cannon's Beauty Salon. I mean, everything you need in your life, whether it's alcohol with your sleeping potion, you got your tacos, you're feeding yourself, you're feeding your st- stomach, you're gorging on this. Now you can look good while you do it. If you get a little bloated, he's going to come in there, take care of you, yeah. And you're going to look great and on the screen. you're going to look just fine. So yeah. th- thank you, Michael Cannon and Cannon's Beauty Salon, Much for jumping on the PGMB podcast. This is fantastic. Gosh, Can- Cannon's Beauty Salon, that's absolutely fantastic, jumping on the PGMB podcast. This is uh, this is really cool. Oh, also, now, what an awesome guy. Yeah, great guy. Absolutely great guy. Fun to be around. Uh, lost to him in Sussex, Wisconsin a couple years ago, but I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, still gonna still gonna frequent his establishment anytime I'm over in Indianapolis. So, very exciting. Uh, this episode, uh, we're gonna continue to do our saving strokes portion. Uh, if you're a newer player, a mid-level player, uh, something you can add to your game to try to save strokes. Uh, whether it's a drivable par four and you may have missed the green and you're just off the green, we're gonna talk with our special co-host and special guest. Andy Fox about chipping because chipping is probably the worst part of my game. Uh, I definitely need to save strokes. Uh, I find myself either hitting a six iron, a seven here bird. Here comes Will's chipping. Here, yeah, here comes Will's chipping. That's what they always say in a one through five game. As I start dumping money, just like on Friday night, just uh, I'm I'm an I'm an open ATM. Thank God for Mystic Lake Blackjack because I I won more than that back. Um, so Andy, you talk about chipping. I like I said, I'm not very consistent. Um, I'm definitely hit and miss, and I'm very streaky. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could give me some insight into your mindset on what you do. You know, if you're missing a drivable par four on Mayfield, if there's something over on Safari Dunes, you know, 
factor in the slope of the green, uh, whether or not you have trouble. Obviously, I try to look at trouble between myself and the hole if there is any. Or I look if the pin is tucked at the back and there's trouble just past if I hit it too long. Uh, so oftentimes that's gonna dictate what I use, whether it's a six iron and I don't have any trouble. I'm gonna try to typically run that ball at the hole and give it a good chance of going in, keeping mm -hmm. it on the line, yeah. taking some of the break out of the green, taking a little bit of the wind out of the green. Uh, but if there's trouble, I often find myself chipping with an eight iron or a nine iron, still trying to make it, but also not jeopardizing myself farther, like you talked about at this year's World's Qualifying, where right. you somewhat went on tilt. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that that chip on Rhineland 11 in the qualifier was a was a bad decision, and I think that stemmed from just being so like, you know, you know, I just couldn't believe how how far off that previous shot was that that ended up going in the water. Yeah, in, in your initial bio, I know you kind of talked about how being on poker tilt you kind of realize when it's happening and how to try your pull yourself back out of it and you yeah. mentioned on Rhineland 11 right. that you thought hey I could just you know take a nice easy wedge throw this on the green take my par and move on oh and, yeah and you that's said what I should have done yeah and you said this was a you know hey I feel this is 90% playing on the machines I typically play on I'm good to go 90% of the time and something just snapped and it, it, it costed you yeah so, like, with chipping, I have, like, as far as, like... Uh, what are your go-to clubs? What do you find yourself using most often? Well, first of all, I have one of the worst 180s in the world. So, you know, in, in describing a 180, when you are trying to hit a shot and you, you have to pull it back on the same, the same pullback as you do as you push it forward mm -hmm. and if you if you compromise that that results in a lot of lost distance correct so admitting that i have one of the worst 80s worst 180s you are captain crosscut yeah it's it's unbelievable it's embarrassing how awful i am at that uh so you find yourself in trouble i find sometimes. my I, you know i i try and i try and hit a shot assuming that like for example if i have to hit a driver 320 yards I got to give it a, a solid poke and if I if I don't hit a good 180 I find myself short quite a bit in chipping so I get a lot of practice chipping and I I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm one of the better chippers out there um and my just like we used to we used to say in the past I give it the gas yeah, especially if it's better, up, especially better long than short. Yeah, if it's, for an the up, most part. if it's an uphill chip, you know, like let's say I have an uphill, uh, like a twenty yard, you know, left two chip. I'm gonna try and land it about two bounces, you know, pretty close to the hole. Mm -hmm. And, to keep your line, yeah. Yeah, and just, just a little bit in front of the hole and just a little bit right of the hole. So when that left two kicks in, Ball's I'm, not, already I'm, in not hole. Trying, yeah. I'm not trying to let it die into the hole because if I miss the chip and I have a you know an 18-footer coming back, it's not that big of a deal. I can make the 18-footer. So that's why I try, and, I try and give it a little bit of gas trying to take the break out. 
So, so that's more with a six iron for some of the distance ships. Where uh, you, you talked about an uphill. Yeah. So I mean, some some of the downhill chips, I'll I'll still take a six iron, assuming there's no trouble behind. Um, you gotta you gotta give it a little bit of respect as far as like you know, because sometimes they'll roll over, sometimes they'll lip out, but. For the most part, I like to I like to chip my chips with a little bit of speed, and they're kind of ramming in the hole. So, to our newer players or mid-tier players in terms of saving strokes, what what clubs do you find yourself continually reverting back to that you find the most consistent? Where we've talked about in the podcast, we talk about you know players nationwide how you shouldn't DNF. You talked about having a no DNF policy. This is a time where if your score isn't that great and you're like, man, I, I don't even think I'm going to get the top 20, don't DNF that game because there are aspects of There's your so game much you can work on. Yeah. where you can work on. So, yeah. so what clubs do you find yourself going to the most often? Maybe your top two or three clubs. Yeah, so my my personal favorite is a six iron, mm-hmm. and that, that will go from uh, anywhere from five yards to, you know, 35 yards or 30 yards. Depending on depending on how much green I have to work with, you know, if it's an if it's a really uphill chip, I'll sometimes go with a five hybrid, um, but not not too often. So, um, in terms of this chipping, uh, I know if you have a forty yard chip and you have a lob wedge, you're pulling back all the way and hitting forward all the way. Obviously, given everything's even, a flat green, a minuscule win, and so forth. So. What, what are you looking for exactly? Because I know you can't pull a six iron back all the way if you're going to hit it, you know, 28 yards or whatever. Right. You know, are, are you trying to dial it in? I know myself, like, I'll typically pull the ball back kind of slow maybe to, like, just past ankle high but lower than knee high. I mean, there are, you know, different clicks and levels of your clubs where you can get familiar with your backward pace and then also your forward pace because so much of that at least in my mind is touch and like I said I'm mm-hmm. very very streaky yeah it's uh so as far as like your pullback how, like how far you want to pull it back that all depends on how hard you're comfortable with hitting it forward for me and I potentially have, missing uh because yeah if, because if there's trouble behind or trouble yeah know, between you and the hole you have to take that into account well and like i said i like i don't like to you know try and dive into the hole i like to give it a little bit of pepper yeah you're giving it the push yeah Yeah. so if i if i miss i'm gonna have a you know 20 footer or whatever coming back which i'm not super concerned about but um i typically pull it i mean i know i it's hard to describe how far to pull it back because i know i know how hard i'm gonna hit it forward but all my chips, well, for the most part, I guess 90% of my chips, my forward swing is the exact same speed. So let's say so you have I have that a consistency. If I have a if I have a five yard chip with a like under like five yards and under, I either chip a nine iron or a sandwich. So my my chip with with those clubs. Like a five-yard chip would be, I would hit it forward the same speed as if I were hitting a, you know, a, a thirty-yard chip with a six-iron. 
Excellent point. That's that's great things that folks can take. And like we talked about, if you're not having your greatest round, you've had too many Coors Lights potentially, um, that's something you can practice. If you yeah. feel like you're playing live play, you're pr- playing for prizes, you're not going to get in the top 20 to get your dollar back, use these and take advantage of it. And even if you miss it, you may want to put it back into the fringe or back off the green, you know, turn left or right once and try your chipping again. It, it, it's a great place for saving strokes. Now, I know that there are some holes where some folks might have a more, you know, uh, unorthodox approach, I guess. I mean, do, do any holes come to mind for you? Oh, yeah. I know there are a couple on safari for me that I seem to struggle with where I take a slightly different approach. I mean, talk about your past with your long history in Golden Tee, some of the things that you've done chipping-wise. Well, one of my first tournaments ever, I was uh, playing the world champion, Greg Kinsler. Kins, Kins, Kins. On uh, Palm Springs. And... I got into a situation where I was up three going into 18 and I got into a chipping situation and I chipped it over the green and Dicey. on Palm Springs 18, if you've ever gone into over the green, it's, it's no bueno. Need your lob wedge. Right. But another one would be like, um, like Grand Savannah. Hole 17. Ooh, that's a that's a dicey hole. Yeah. That, so that sometimes hole, you'll. Ooh. You that's know, that, you, that's probably one of the toughest holes ever created and put into the live play format, in yeah, my opinion. I agree. If it, you uh, if you have like a, you know, if you, if you have a sand wedge and a nine iron, so your sand wedge goes 60 degrees or 60 yards, and then your nine iron goes 100 yards. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. So, so if it's a if it's a like a seventy yard hole with a you know a fifteen wind in your face and an up ten green, you got issues. You can't hit a sandwich for sure because that, that's not going to get there. Mm-hmm. You can't hit a niner because once it hits the green, it's just going to like rappel down into the water. So maybe a a chip five bird or a chip six iron. That, that's a great point. So I know I've done that on Grand Savannah 17 as well, where I'm pulling back maybe just past waist high, but your club isn't getting fully back, much less fully up at the noon position, almost like a 10 or 11 o'clock position, and you're trying to keep it low to take the wind out of the play. So I think that's a great one. You know, We talked about different club selections in the past, uh, the pyro set, having four wedges. Mm. So I know we just happened to... My goodness, we, we actually played a Grand Savannah glory game earlier today. And yes, you we beat did. me, yeah, I think I think you beat me uh, 26 under to 22 or 23 under. And what gave me fits that game was uh, hole 17. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because Grand Savannah happens to be our new classic course of the week. Andy Fox, is, his mind is blown. Unbelievable. So we're going to get into Grand Savannah here. Um, this is a great course. Um, going back into it, uh, this is back before the 50 games per day limit. And one of the things with the 50 games per day limit, um, folks started playing typically with this before Classic Course of the Week and so forth. Most of the quote-unquote bangers, as you are right now, Fox, playing this game for a living, were playing 10 games per course over all five courses. But before the 50 game a day limit, um, 
there was a king of Grand Savannah. Yeah, Chris Litzinger. Chris Litzinger. Uh, yeah, doesn't rarely plays anymore. I, I think I've seen his name maybe once or twice on the leaderboard in the last two, three years. Um, but Chris Litzinger played this over and over again, and I can't verify this with stats. Domination station. Yeah, maybe... <laughs> maybe IT they they won't you know release all their full uh, you know spreadsheets and everything but I think there was a time where Chris Litzinger was literally worried that he was out about 250 to 300 games in front on Grand Savannah yeah. that that's how much he played this course he he loved this course I think their I think their Chris Litzinger file is uh, classified yeah um, so we're gonna go to Grand Savannah. We're gonna do a classic course of the week breakdown for Grand Savannah dropping tonight at midnight. Uh, we got about three and a half hours until that drops. So that's pretty exciting here. Uh, number one is a pretty straightforward par four. Uh, you're typically just gonna hit a straight driver off the tee uh, and have a flat green approach. So we're not gonna cover that too often. But as we get to hole two, we have a drivable par four. And I think Chris Litzinger, um, one of the reasons for playing this was for the Hole in, hole in win on uh, par four, Grand Savannah number two. This is typically going to be a, goodness, I, I want to say probably a three wood to a driver, maybe a four or a five wood uh, going into it. And it's, it's, a, it's a fairly easy hole, um, but there were often times, like to your point, Fox, we talked about you being Captain Crosscut, where oh, yeah. I, I might crosscut this a little bit and you know, you might cross cut this, so I, I don't know if you have interpretations to this because I, I rarely took the hole in win on this hole. Yeah, I this wouldn't be a great hole in win for me. Um it it seems like it's it's oftentimes just a hair offset. Yeah, and that's uh, a great point. I don't know that it's exactly uphill, but the fact that there's that brown stuff before the green would uh it seems like a, a thumb shot isn't really prudent there. Yeah. So, so a lot of times it's a, it's kind of a palm shot, which is not my forte. Yeah. Um, yeah so that, a, lot, a lot of times I'm I'm uh, kind of overcompensating where I'm going to hit it long and and just try and make a 30 footer or a 20 footer or whatever, it, especially if that pins up up toward the front of the green. Yeah, I I think you brought a, a great point up. Uh, Grand Savannah has some different types of. I guess you could say landscaping that we see on other golden tee courses. So we have kind of the the rough, we have some fescue, we have some dry yeah. dirt. But then as we get later into our hole-by-hole breakdown of classic course of the week, they have mud, and mud is absolute. Mud butt. Yeah, mud butt, Captain Mud Butt. <laughs> um, it's, it's death. The, yeah, it's no good. The, the, the mud is absolute death, so that's a... That's a really bad thing you don't want to be a part on. Um, if you hit a bad enough shot on hole two, uh, I think you can make it into the mud. Um, but otherwise, this is a hole you should eagle every time. Like we talked about, a, a mid-range wood, typically a driver all the way down to a five wood, depending on wind, depending on pin position, and obviously a tee box. Uh, hole number three, pretty straightforward par three. Uh, has a slight downhill green. I, If I did screw up hole number two, I felt like hole number three, I could always give this one a good run. It was... It was downhill. Wind was wind was always pretty minimal, um, and it lined you up straight. Not to your point where there was an offset on hole two, but very straightforward par three. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, typically a five hybrid or maybe an eight wood, depending on on the distance and wind or whatever. But yeah, yeah. this is one you can get after. Yeah, over uh, over to hole four. 
Uh, this was a <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty solid hole right here. We had a par five, and during our time playing this earlier today, we were in actually the back right box, which it didn't seem like you used to get that often. Uh, right. Of course, we were playing glory play. Can't play for prizes uh, for another couple hours here. But oftentimes on your drive, there's a little nook at the end of the fairway, and you would hit a driver into that. However, with our setup today, it, uh, it got a little dicey. Yeah, so there's, a, there's like a... I don't know how to describe it. Looking a, at looking at looking at the Golden Tee Fan website. Thank you, Eric Nelson. Yeah, thank you, Eric Nelson. You do a great job. Uh, basically, the leftest point you can hit it in the fairway, short on the Golden Tee Fan website on hole four. Yeah, uh, it juts out a little bit. Would would leave you? Yeah, it juts out a little bit. It would leave you. I think it leaves you about three hundred and twenty yards in, mm-hmm. and you can hit a you can hit a like a two ninety with bite. Or something like that. Um, that's from the the very the direst of conditions, from the back box into the wind. Um, yeah, I think the majority yeah. of the time you're going to go to that little point at the end of the fairway. Right. Uh, that's separated by the mud. You're going to see the mud where if you go long, you're in the mud. Uh, you're going to aim for the left-hand far portion of the fairway to typically have a, uh, again, once a, once again, a five or a three wood into this green. We uh, we had an interesting set where it was basically driver, driver, um, but we both succeed with eagle. So so this week, just, just make sure that that's something on your radar because it can definitely get started early on Grand Savannah where you feel like you're potentially down a stroke. Right. Yeah, for the, you know, just unless you're in the back box, you can, you can, uh, you can hit something to the end of that fairway, but and have you, a good if, approach. If you, yeah, yeah, and have a good. If you feel you can't, it's not the end of the world if you need to lay up short of that because you're only going to have 320, 330 in. Even if you're into the wind, you can smoke something in there. Okay, over to hole five, and pulling up the Golden Tee fan website. This hole looks to be easy as shit. <laughs> 202 yard par three yeah now th- this hole actually i believe has a couple different greens if i recall right uh oh. and i know eric nelson's uh website has the one screenshot of it uh, it's a pretty straightforward par three no matter which green you get it's early in your round you're not going to have very big winds either way you're not going to have green sloping too bad so as you play this course during the course of the week um it's, it's just going to be a par three where the expectation each and every time is you getting a birdie. All right. Hole six. This one's a little tricky. Yeah, par five guy. So there's a, there's a couple different ways you can play this hole. And the way, I, the way I tend to play it is all based on where the pin is. So if the pin is on the left or in the back... I'm gonna play my tee shot to the f- as far left as I can go, because I yeah. want to go around the left. Yeah, you're gonna have a grove of trees at the end of the fairway where it's gonna force you. There's kind of a bailout over to the left where you're gonna get a good you're gonna get a good look of the green. Uh, I'd say probably 80, 85 percent of the time I, I find myself going to the far left portion of the right. fairway. Yeah. Uh, however, I know once this course was initially released, there were folks who were actually laying up on the right side of the fairway. If you had a huge left to right wind, 
and you had a pin that was tucked up in the left where you could hit a C3, land it in the first half of the green. And check back. Check back yeah. and check uphill into the green. Yeah, um, that's, it, a, that's a great option. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Uh, There's multiple different ways to play it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say 80, 85%, you're just gonna go long and left and you're still gonna have a long wood into this hole for the yeah. most part because uh, the winds really haven't picked up here. But the green is pretty flat. I know there's some slope in it. I want to say it's maybe a right three, right four. It's nothing major where you shouldn't be able to yeah. overcome it. Okay. Next up, hole seven. This is a par three with kind of an odd-shaped green. Yeah. It, uh, I think there's some trees on the left where you might need a nine wood or an eight wood or a seven wood to get over those trees. Yeah. You yeah, can't... your low irons, your two iron probably isn't going to get it. I know I've used a three bird here in the past uh, with mixed results, unfortunately. So a three eight... bird, a three bird, you can cut around the trees, but mm. if it, I mean, it's not going to get high enough to get over the trees. Yeah. So this hole we we talked about earlier in the broadcast where you start incorporating mud on this course i think this is one of the first holes where you really get a chance to hopefully or unhopefully uh experience the mud the right portion of this green whether both long and to the right if you don't hit the green or you trickle off because it is a slight right sloping green you, you get mud butt yeah you, you you could find yourself in the mud getting mud butt thank you jim Solinsky for the mud butt yeah mud butt's um, not good this this mud butt as you end up in the mud you might only have 20 yards of the pin and if you have a lob wedge it might only give you 20 yards it, it does not come well out of the mud uh, i do not encourage you probably expecting to do great things uh coming out of the mud it's very tough very uh very tough to chip out of to be honest i would i would have to have an eight wood in my bag an eight wood and a six wood and probably a five wood just for this hole because i mean if you get in a a situation you don't want to have to be cutting a trying to cut a three hybrid or a two iron yeah you're gonna want some loft some of this, for sure yeah. hole eight par five mm -hmm. this one's uh pretty simple uh you have to lay it up in the fairway to the left of the the brown stuff there and uh I mean, that's that's going to be either like a three-wood or a driver or whatever. Off the tee, yeah. Off the tee. And then you'll have anywhere from, depending on the wind, anywhere from a five-wood to a 290 driver into the green. Yeah, and there's, there's kind of a little berm in front of this green protecting it. So you definitely want one of those lofted clubs where you don't want to necessarily hit driver into this green. You're going to want to tuck yourself to that right-hand yeah. portion of the, of the fairway to give yourself a shorter shot in the green where to Andy's point you're either going to hit uh, you know three four five wood into this green because you have that berm in front and you have water long so this is yeah. definitely going to be a bite or a backspin approach shot you're going to hit driver and then mid-range wood coming into this right and my my advice would be to on your approach shot club up and hit it harder with with uh, backspin or bite as opposed to thumbing it yeah, agreed. You know, more often than not, I recommend thumbs. This is not that hole because um, if you hit that downslope with a thumb shot with with bite, it's not going to be well for you. Um, palming it with with bite will will check it up much quicker than 
than uh, Thumbs Bite. Agreed. Agreed. Next hole is Grand Savannah number nine. This hole is super exciting. <laughs> you hit it in the fairway. Right hand side of the fairway. With whatever you want for a club. And then you hit it on the green with whatever else you want for a club. Yeah, typically I, th- I think it's going to be usually about a driver in and then a uh, mid to long range iron. Maybe even a wood depending on uh, your initial Maybe team. even a wood? Yeah, you might you go wood, wood, just, just like last hole. Uh, yeah, depending on the wind, depending, depending on the tee box. We're, we're skipping forward now. Yeah, hole 10. Have at it. Uh, a couple so different tee boxes Yeah, this here. hole's got some different tee boxes. So um, there's a tee box that kind of has you looking straight at the green, and you can hit a, a tee shot like a driver firmly with backspin and that's going to leave you with maybe like a eight nine iron yeah short iron there yeah and you can really get after it and then there's another tee box that's further off to the left that's going to leave you a lot more awkward tee shot and a lot more awkward approach shot yeah you're going to bring some hazards into play as the fairway kind of bottlenecks uh from that tee box to the left you're going to have trees on your left hand side uh, and you're going to have trouble to the right. Um, I know in the first tee box we talked about that's pictured on goldenteefan.com, if you get the optimum setup and you're in the front portion of the box with a little bit of a tailwind, I've seen people ramp up and get into the bunkers leaving themselves an eagle chip. So we talked about in yeah. saving strokes how you have an uphill green, you don't have any trouble behind with water or mud butt. You don't have any water or mud butt short of it. Um, if you're getting that that close tee box you have a shot to do a big a1 or a c3 uh paul luna is not going to get any long drives on no. this hole because the fairway doesn't extend long uh, but you, you can give yourself a, a shot at an eagle by hitting a big a1 or a c3 and potentially sending in a missile at the green there all right next up hole 11 uh, i wish we had something more exciting for you well hole 11's no that's not exciting <laughs> so hole 11, uh, you're basically going to throw your drive in the fairway here. Uh, we have, I don't want to say a small green, um, but for Golden Tee as of recently, this, this green's a little smaller than a lot of them, uh, somewhat diamond-shaped. You're going to throw your drive in the fairway, typically hitting a three-wood or driver. A uh, little bit of trees to the left. Uh, one of the cool portions of this hole is Golden Tee has progressed and tried to ramp up their graphics and try to do things back in the day to improve the gameplay and the game experience you actually have zebras walking between your drive in the fairway hopefully in the fairway uh and you've got to be kidding me yeah incredible and you're driving to the fairway and as you're looking at your approach shot with a short to mid-range iron you're going to have animation of zebras walking across from left to right on your screen uh, pretty interesting. I, I, I think it's a cool aspect. I mean, we've had. I think it's cool too. Yeah, we've had rhinos, wolves, and lions. Where if you hit them, or your ball goes by them, or the wolves, um, they might howl. But these are actually animated zebras that walk all the way across the screen. So, next hole, hole twelve, the par five, semi-exciting hole. This is where, yeah, definitely. That, that's this a is good another. Point. This well, is, was in one of the freakies. I think maybe a couple actually. Yeah. So, like, if you're in the in the front, the front right box, 
you can do a, a C3 like smoke show shot or an A1 hammer shot uh, and try and drive the green. Or, I mean, you could even, depending on the wind, if it's like super straight out and strong, you can do a just a 180 shot to try and drive the green or, or get it up in the bunker so, for a chip. So what exactly is around the green? If you don't get the optimal setup, but you want to still hit a big A1 or a C3, uh, I know we keep talking about Paul Luna getting his long drive of his life. I just, well, I, I, even, I, I don't think it's going to happen on this hole. There, there's trouble around it. There's no fairway. Um, where Paul Luna could pull this no, off? No, he can't. No, he couldn't get the longest drive of his life. But I think he could get into a a situation where he could have a a very makeable chip for double eagle. Double eagle, going back to uh, yeah. saving strokes. Work, yeah, work saving on your stroke. chipping game. I mean, because if you can if you can drive this into the bunker near the green, or drive it onto the green with with I mean. To drive it onto the green is pretty lucky because those bunkers are somewhat deep. You have to get yeah. somewhat of a lucky skip onto the green. Yeah, you can't get a ramp out a, of it, yeah. and you can't get stuck in there. It, one of the one of the best things you can hope for is a chip out of the bunker for double eagle. Uh, yeah, Paul Luna. Ve- yeah, very fun hole. I'm I'm hoping yeah. to see some YouTubes on this hole this week as as folks start ramping up their gameplay because this is this is a fun hole we've seen on the Freaky Fridays. Um, I, I want to see someone ace it, get that super albatross. It still won't count That'd as a long impressive. drive, but so if it's not drive, if you don't, if it's not downwind, if it's like stone into the wind, if you turn left a few times, there's a there's a big patch of rough that you can that you can uh, lay up to. Yeah, very big landing pad. Yeah, and you can you can hit like a maybe like a three wooder driver into the green. Now you'll be coming in from the rough. So you're going to have a lot less spin. It's not going to check up. Yeah. It's not going to spin as, That's be- a great as, point. as well as it does from a drive with a driver. But you can also, um, my advice would be to club down and hit it harder because the harder you hit it out of the rough, the more spin you get. So if you if you might thumb a three wood from wherever from that left rough spot, I might club down to a four wood and palm it. Get a little bit of extra check. Get a little bit of extra check. And hopefully stay on the green, get your eagle, and move on. Because this, this hole can be dicey. Uh, this is one of those holes where we talked about mud and mud butt. And do not be tempted to hit the big A1 or C3 if you don't think you can clear the mud. Because if you get stuck in that mud... You get in that mud, you're dead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a death trap. All right, the next hole is one of Will's favorites. It's the weirdest shaped green... It's a par three. And let's see here. I'll do another Coors Light. <laughs> what about me? We'll get one for Fox, too. Oh, thanks. So we've got par three. Looks like uh, it could play anywhere from about 100 yards to 200 yards. Yeah, it can get long. And the it's- green is real narrow. It, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of nooks and crannies here where your distance is at a premium. But as we get into the backside here, you're going to notice your winds are picking up as well. Uh, yep. there, there are a couple different tee boxes, so you might have, I believe, a slight uphill green. You might have a slightly sloping left to right green as well. Um, but your tee shot, just like any par 3, is going to be at a premium, especially on a green like this where you don't want to get kinslered and have your ball land on the no. green be only given a putter 
and have a patch of rough or a patch of sand in between you and the hole where you're forced to turn left or right once or twice just to lay up your putt. No oh, one wants very, to lay up. Are green. Yeah, no one wants to lay up her putt, and, and, and this is a hole where it could very well happen to you. Yeah, so, so I think on this hole, uh, like a 30-foot putt is a good tee shot. Yeah. Next hole. Ooh, Grand Savannah 14. <laughs> All right, this I, hole, I, I, this I, I want really you to hard. break this down a little bit because we took different approaches in our glory play game here. Yeah, this hole's really hard. I, I mean, I think... For me, 100% of the time, I'm trying to land on that little tiny strip, which isn't which isn't as little and tiny as you might think. You know, if you do a flyby, it's I don't know, it's it's small, but and it's hard to hit. But I think it's better than any other option. Will went to the left and tried to lay it in the rough between those trees over there on the left and yeah if, if you turn left uh you're going to notice the landing strip that andy fox just talked about and it's separated by a river so if it initially lines you up at the landing strip just a little left maybe a little offset to the left or right if you turn left approximately four or five times you're going to see a tree out there and if you hit a flyby as it goes into that tree you're gonna see a actual circular patch. Unfortunately, that patch is rough. So as you hit your approach into the green, um, for taking the water out of the play and the mud on the play, um, as opposed to going to Andy Fox's landing strip, um, you're gonna take that out of play, but your approach shot, your second shot into this par five, it's gonna make eagle that much tougher because your ball's not gonna check on the green. Especially if you have a pin that's tucked in the front portion, you're gonna leave yourself a really long putt. Yeah. So now, basically that, that little circle means absolutely nothing. Uh, to a certain extent, we both eagled it. Uh, Andy Fox did stick the landing strip and uh, it plays his first cut, so that's nice. So he got the backspin option, he got the bite option, where you Well, can... and your, your driver goes, I mean, whereas like if you're in the deep rough, your driver might go, what, 287 or whatever, 288. Yeah. My driver, out of the first cut, goes 310 or something like that. Oh, yeah, and that's just with a smooth palm. I mean, if you really yeah. have to step on it with a headwind or a pin in the back or you didn't hit it very deep in the landing strip, you might have 330, 340 into this. Uh, definitely a dicey par 5. Uh, th this can be a round breaker. If you guys are gambling with buddies at the bar, um, pay attention to this hole because it, 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 it can gobble up some strokes real quick. Right, and one last point. If you do decide to go for the landing strip, if you decide to lay up a little bit shorter, like as, almost as far back as the landing strip goes, it does get a little bit more forgiving, but that is, that's going to leave you... A longer approach, yeah. A, a much longer approach, like 350-ish. Um, but that's just one thing to think about. Because if you miss to the left of the landing strip, you're in the water. If you miss to the right of the landing strip, you're mud butt. So you got to hit that. Yeah, de definitely a very creative par five. Uh, definitely one that I've struggled with in the past. Next hole. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Grand Savannah 15. It's a par three. Uh, we have a bunch of different tee boxes here, which is going to give you either a down slope green, up slope green, a left, left slope green, right slope green. Uh, and your distance is going to vary. Uh, and like we talked about, late in the game, as a whole 15, your winds are picking up as well. You can have short irons into this. You can have long irons, potentially even a wood into this hole. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd like to say we could give you an all-encompassing breakdown. I, I don't want to bore you with it. Um, I think this hole can be tricky. It, Trickier it, than it, can, it seems. It can definitely be tricky for an early year live course compared to the more recent ones. For a par three, this this has a pretty small green. So as you're going, you're going to have to factor in the wind. You're going to have to factor in the slope of the green. Uh, and it definitely can get dicey. So as we continue on, hole 16, uh, we got a par five here. And there are a couple different options, actually a decent amount of options. As we witnessed in our glory play game, uh, Andy Fox laid up short in the fairway. Yeah, I, I mean, so I laid up short of the, uh, whatever that brown Yeah, there's stuff, bunkers, bunkers, there's or whatever fescue. Is. Basically, I laid up at the end of the fairway, and I can't imagine... Like, even if there was, like, a 17-mile-an-hour wind in your face, there's no there's no scenario in which you cannot get there from that fairway. So I think to go... Short is know, always the safe play. Short is always the safe play, and you can just hit a driver or a 3-wood or a 5-wood or whatever the wind dictates into that green. Um, doing a... Trying to do a C3 and land either in a, in one of, that, one of those sand traps or on the rough is kind of like Russian roulette. Yeah, in my opinion. agreed. If it's like super, super, super downwind, you could probably get to that other fairway. But yeah, it, it then, you have, then you have the... Problem that I had during our glory game, I hit a uh, high TC3, Andy Fox was biting into some chicken wings, and I had I had a tweener, I'm not going to lie. Was so, it between a 9-iron and a sandwich? Uh nine iron and eight iron i believe if i recall right and andy fox had just a nice easy woods approach with a 13 tailwind if you guys are listening to this on sunday night you might still be able to hop into this glory play game we were the fourth and fifth players in uh 20 people fill it out um so there's a 13 mile an hour tailwind you just stepped up hit it in the short spot on the fairway prior to all the trouble Uh, i stepped on it hit a big high tc3 and i had a tweener and my yeah. approach shot, uh, my approach shot went long. I missed my chip. Uh, we were tied up into this point, and I gave you a stroke right here. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you can if you know for sure that you can get to that other fairway, that's gonna it's gonna present a, a greater holdout opportunity than laying back short. But I think that brings in a lot more risk. Agreed, agreed. You, you can definitely uh, try to go for the bunkers and go into the fescue. Uh, if you avoid the bunkers and you're in the fescue, it's actually not necessarily fescue. It plays clean. Uh, like we said, it basically plays like rough. Um, but the bunkers you can still get out of. It's just not the ideal play. I, I think 95% of the time you're going to lay up short where Andy did. Uh, yeah. You're not going to try to run through the fairway. You're not going to try to blast something over. You're going to try to play the smart play this late in the game on a par 5. Put your ball in the fairway, and you're going to go driver to mid-range wood, potentially a driver again. You're going to try to take your eagle and move on. Yep. And uh, next up, here we go. The granddaddy. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this earlier. We hinted at it earlier with saving strokes, the chipping game. Uh, this this hole's tough. Th- th- this is a tough hole. You, you're going to go out and play this week on Classic Course of the Week, and if it's Haas, if it's Luna, if it's Let Me Rock, if it's Andy Fox, Will Sanson, uh, you're going to see guys on this leaderboard where you might take a birdie and they drop four or five yeah. strokes. I mean, th- this well, is a brutal, brutal hole. Because if you get wet here, or if, like, let's say you 
you try and chip it and you're a little bit long, you could you could chip it into the water on your second shot. Agreed. It's it, it, I mean, and the it's drops such are a not hard good. hole. Yeah, the drops are not good. It's just a it's a incredibly hard hole. I mean, a lot of times par is such a good score on this hole. Um, yeah, it's 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 an absolute man eater. Uh, one t- of the one of the things that's going to make this hole a lot easier is release. Yes, that's a great point, Andy. It's uh, a lot of times roll was too much, but release is going to be huge on this hole. And I, and I also think cut shots playing it. We, we've talked about yeah. cut shots a bit before yep. on prior podcasts. We've talked about them a little bit tonight where this, you might look at a short hole and just think, oh, there's a 14 win. I'm going to turn right one and I'm just going to thumb it straight and let the wind bring it back to the hole. With a green that sloped as an up 10, you can't necessarily do that. You do need the release. You do need the cut shot to bring it back into a hole to hopefully stick the green. Roll's going to be used very infrequently. Mm-hmm. I don't think backspin will be used terribly often. I think this is either no. this is either a release, a bite, or a naked shot coming into this hole. Yeah. And oftentimes it's going to be a cut shot. So to bring up this hole, we talked about the assortment and the selection of wedges. Andy mentioned having a you know 60-yard sand wedge and then having that gap all the way up to 100 yards. Yeah. If you're a guy who plays for money with your buddies at the bar... Uh, we've talked about before, this is a hole that can be a make-or-breaker, and I would seriously suggest to an entry-level player or a mid-level player, you might want to look at the pyros with four different wedges. Uh, the rest of this course is pretty straightforward. A lot of drivers, mid-range irons, not any specific clubs that you have to have for a certain hole. You don't right. have obstacles you're yeah. shooting over. You don't have tree gaps that you're shooting through. Those two or three extra wedges in a pyro set can be a deal breaker right here in Grand Savannah 17. I would agree. I mean, there, th- this this hole can set up from for a lob wedge to a nine iron or an eight iron, and anywhere in between. So any of those wedges will be very valuable. And also, if you don't have the proper club, sometimes you just need to play for par. I mean, there's that that tall part of the green on the right side. Yeah, where you got bailouts long to the right and just, so forth. Just That's a land, great point. Just land it on top of that, and maybe it rolls down, maybe it doesn't. And even if you have a, a 60, 70-foot left-hand putt, at least you're having a birdie putt. And if you miss it, you miss it. But Yeah, to Andy's point, par's a, par's a very good score on this hole. You're going to see folks where... You're looking at the live leaderboard. Here's where they're at through 16. Here's where yeah. I'm at through 16. I'm, I'm two strokes behind them. You get a par or a birdie. That that one sounded wet. That one sounded wet. You've been drinking beer tonight? It, <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to look at this hole, and you might be down two strokes to someone, and you tap in for your par, and all of a sudden you're up a stroke or two on that person who's a professional banger going to the Golden Tee World Championships. Uh, this hole is going to eat some people alive yeah. this week. This hole is going to torture some people. Last hole, hole 18. Take it away, Fox. Yeah, this one. Uh, this one's a little, a little bit dicey too. I think How so? anyway. Well, it's for sure offset. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I mean, pretty much a hundred percent of the time, it's going to require some sort of cut shot, whether it's a full cut. In full out, or I mean, I guess 
if it's on the far, far, far right side of the tee box, you could maybe thumb something, but for the most part, it's going to require a cut shot. Yeah, with the offsets here, to Andy's point, uh, you're primarily going to be cutting into it. Uh, there are going to be opportunities to thumb the ball straight, but you're not going to thumb it dead straight usually. Um, I think cut play is definitely the way to go. And as you approach this hole, you're, you're going to have the river in front of you. Uh, you definitely don't want to be short. You have bunkers surrounding the green. Uh, if you need to bail out, if you don't feel comfortable, um, either long is going to be your play or miss left or miss right. Don't miss short because uh, hopefully you have an auto refill on your bag after hole 17 and 18 uh, because you might need it. This is, a, this is definitely a, a hole that is not the hardest closing hole, but it, it can swallow a stroke or two pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the first the first goal is to miss the trees, and then uh, the second goal is to get on the green with a semi reasonable putt. There's been there's been a lot of times where I've tried to cut it too close to the trees and and snag those trees, and it's it's no good. Yeah, there are definitely invisible leaves in play on this hole. So uh, as you're doing this this week, have some fun on Grand Savannah. We want to see some fun shots, whether you know, you're hitting it on, on number 12, potentially getting that super albatross. Number 17, I want to see some crazy YouTube shots of huge cut shots. Maybe someone going with a five bird chip, a five iron chip, a six iron chip. Uh, but enjoy Grand Savannah. We're, we're glad, uh, you know, GoldenTea.com and Incredible Technologies is giving myself, Tony Johnson, our special guest host, Andy Fox, uh, the chance to preview this for everyone. Hey, uh, Will. Yeah gonna take me a lot to drag me away from you yeah andy's blessing the rain sound africa uh this is a good time to hear this pump the quarters in the jukebox support your local vendor play a bunch of games on golden tea pump some africa by toto out of the jukebox and enjoy the classic course of the week so we're going to give it a little wrap up here, obviously. Pretty excited for Grand Savannah being classic course of the week. Uh, talked about saving strokes, uh, chipping. This come in big this week with Grand Savannah 17. Uh, had the special guest host, Andy Fox. I thought yeah. he was bringing me a beer. No, he was just coming to Thanks sit down. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, glad you could be here. Uh, in the absence of Tony Johnson, like I, I said, I think you're the most accomplished Minnesota Golden Tee player uh, representing, trying to go up against the power cade. But, yeah, a, a, as we wrap this up here, uh, we do have uh, three pretty big tourneys coming up here soon. Uh, we got Cincinnati coming up uh, August 23rd to 26th. We also have uh, a recently announced either uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, or Sullivan, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin Open, just a $40 entry fee, and it's going to be the weekend after the new courses are released. The new courses oh, nice. are going to be released, uh, you know, they're going to ship out on Monday, September 24th. And if your vendor paid for the overnight upgrade, those courses should be in your vendor's hands mid-morning on Tuesday. I know I took half the day off on Tuesday. I'm going to go in, I'm going to work in the morning, uh, get off around 11 a.m. or noon, and go out and play on the Dean vending machines and, and enjoy these new courses. I'm, I'm guessing we'll try to do a podcast uh, at the Foxhole, the Banger Bunker, whatever it's called. And then ultimately we have Richmond coming up uh, October 4th to the 7th. I know Andy Fox, uh, initially when we talked about his bio, kind of talked about going to these tourneys and how he had kind of seen and heard of these Minnesota guys. And we, we encourage everyone to go out to these tournaments. That They're a great asset for developing your game. And if you haven't been to a tourney, go to a tourney. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, I remember my, my first Golden Tee tournament, I knew, you know, a decent amount of players from Minnesota who knew some of the, like, the major names, like Greg Kinsler and Chris Lissinger, and so it wasn't super hard for me to, you know, meet those guys, but... You know, because they just said, "Hey, here, this yeah. is my friend from Minnesota." Andy, yeah, there's blah, a new blah. guy on the block. Because you know, up and comer. But the main point here is, I've had so many tournaments, you know, recently where, you know, people have come up to me like, "Oh said, my God, you're that guy." No, they haven't said, "Oh my God, you're that guy." <laughs> They've just said, "Hey, I'm." You know, like Dave Sandmeyer or yeah. Mark, oh. you know, these guys are so fucking bad at Golden Tee. Yeah, but, but they're a blast to be around. They're so awesome to be around. Sorry, Dave Sandmeyer and Wisconsin guys. Can, no, they, I, can I say that word on here? Yeah, you're okay, fine. Sorry. Um. <laughs> No, they're, they're an absolute yeah. blast to be around. So so when you go to your it, first it, or second tourney... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just, like, if you if you feel like introducing yourself to somebody, well, we're happy to, like, play with you or talk to you or don't feel intimidated. Just say hi. Yeah, we, we, we kind of talked about uh, Andy Fox's uh, transition earlier in the podcast, uh... Not male to female or female to male, um, but poker pro to golden tee pro. And oh, should we as, talk about 2009 Indy Fox? <laughs> and as he was coming up, you know, he had a little bit of a network of local guys to help him intermingle with the new folks he hadn't met at these tournaments. But if you don't have that support network with you, don't don't be you know that dude in seventh and eighth grade where you're like. Oh my God! Should I go talk to that girl? Should I ask her out? Oh, should I ask her an answer? Seriously, we're we're all grown adults. We all love golden tea. We all like drinking beer. We like drinking our mixed drinks. We're there. We're taking time yeah. away from our lives. Go introduce yourself and, exactly, and don't be dude. intimidated. I I don't think I've ever met a person who I was like I never want to play another round of golden tea with him again. He is absolutely terrible. He's the worst person I've ever well, met. He's, like, he's the local high school bully. Everyone is super cool and, and obviously we all have our quirks. Yeah. Some of us are weirder than others. Some of us dance. Some of us talk loud like the mouth. We all have our own little different quirks. But everyone is so fantastic to be around that, and that's why I do this. I, I love this game. I agree, and like, like you know, I poke fun at Dave Sandmeyer and and Mark Gomez because they're so incredibly bad at Golden Tee. But awesome guys to hang out with. They are so fun. What I mean, I, they're I, they're so. I mean, they're an absolute blast. Pitiful yeah. at Golden Tee, but they're but, so fun to hang out with. Well. On the flip side, I believe you and Dave Sandmeyer finished in the exact same spot this year at the World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on that note, I think we're going to end it. Uh, Andy Fox looks like he's ready to cold cock I'm eating shit. <laughs> with, uh, with his empty beer mug. So congratulations to <laughs> Dave Sandmeyer. Uh, eat shit, Andy Fox. Uh, but again, Andy, thank you for opening up about your bio. Uh, you know, you've got a long storied resume that I could only dream of. I've never gotten anywhere close to the Golden Tee accolades and accomplishments that you have. Uh, I just want to thank you for filling in for Tony Johnson, being a special guest host on this. It's been fantastic. It's been fun.
Thanks, guys. Please make sure to uh, like this, rate us, and subscribe to the podcast on the Podmore Get Better podcast. Because that keeps it free. Thanks, guys.